does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Welcome back. It is Kevin's Corner in week three. The Baltimore Ravens await. I think last I saw Eddie Garrison, seven and a half point spread. Obviously some uncertainty. Injury-wise in Indianapolis at a couple of key spots. I also think Baltimore is really banged up. Again, it's early in the week, but uh, I noticed several notable Ravens uh, on their uh, was not at practice list from Wednesday. So certainly some stuff to monitor as we get to the back half. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I am Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is with me. Uh, Eddie, certainly want to hit on the Ravens. I think this is a great challenge. I think you could make the argument that even with their injury situation, it at the end of the year we'll look back and think this was one of the more complete challenges the Colts will face all year. Uh, complete, I think it's the key word to use when you factor in road environment, you know, legit established coaching staff, obviously a quarterback that's won an MVP and is playing at a pretty high level. Uh, and then I think a pretty darn good defense that um, certainly does some things from a disguise standpoint and sophistication standpoint that I think will be a challenge. So um, I'm looking forward to Sunday just in that. I feel like it'll be a pretty good barometer. Honestly, you go from playing one of the worst teams in the league to, I think, playing one of the – I don't know if they're one of the best teams in the league, but I think based off your schedule this year, they're one of the best teams you'll face all year. Yeah, just to highlight their injury report, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Tyler uh, Linderbaum, Ronnie Stanley, uh, Marcus Williams all missed their game – on Sunday against the Bengals, um, and Odell Beckham Jr. left that game injured. He did not practice today. Uh, Justice Hill, one of their two running backs that is healthy right now with um, Gus Edwards, he did not practice today either. So there's a long list of injuries on that injury report for Baltimore. Um, Odafe Owe, a linebacker. Yeah, good player. You yep. got some studs. I mean, Linderbaum yeah. and Stanley. Obviously, Marlon Humphrey's resume speaks for itself. Um, so definitely notable, notable names on that Ravens list. Let's get into the Colts. Anthony Richardson, Ryan Kelly, the latest on that. I just got back from Colts practice. Anthony Richardson did not practice but was present. Ryan Kelly did not practice and was not present during the open media portion. Typically, Eddie, if you're dealing with a concussion and it falls on the severe end of concussions, they don't want you at practice. You know, They don't want you exposed to, I mean, it's a hot day here in Indianapolis. There's a whole lot of sunlight outside. Uh, they don't want you just standing out there for two hours in whatever, 85-degree heat. Um, and I think there are some early signs in the week to point to. Obviously, Anthony Richardson still has several steps to go through in the concussion protocol and has yet to even practice as we record this. But I think there are some early indications that this is not going to be something that's going to keep him out very, very long. Uh, obviously, Sunday is in jeopardy, uh, but I don't think we're looking at a, a, a major, major situation here. So I do think that's good news um, You know, from words, from actions. There's a lot you can point to that would say again Richardson, by all accounts, is doing you know okay with this. Um, 
you know, today he misses practice. So what does he miss? He misses first and second down day. He misses probably the heaviest installed day of the week. Obviously, Gardner Minshew takes those reps. Shane Steichen was extremely noncommittal and, you know, explaining, okay, the lack of quarterback reps with that impact in playing on Sunday. Is there a risk of re-injury seven days compared to 14 days? You know, things like that. Um there's just very Shane Steichen. Very Shane Steichen, yes, without question. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm back in college talking to girls at the bar <laughs> with the types of answers that I get. I ask the questions, though. Uh, but, yeah, the uh, the return on investment in those questions, hmm, not too profitable. But, nonetheless, uh, they will continue to be asked. Um, he could still progress through the concussion protocol. I mean, Drew Ogletree's the most recent example of it, of a guy that missed Wednesday last week, limited on Thursday. Full on Friday, cleared on Saturday. Um, there, it's very rare, but I don't believe even if you miss the first two days of practice, you're officially ruled out. You could do a Friday practice, you could do a contact test on Saturday, and still even clear then. Obviously, at that point, Richardson will have missed two massive days of practice, and I would think, considering the rookie quarterback and what Baltimore presents as, as a defensive challenge, that, to me, Eddie would strike a, okay, what about this dude just preparing him on a weekly basis to get ready for a really exotic defense? You know, that would be a question that I think would be very um, fair to ask and, and, and you know, borderline understandable uh, from a reps should he play standpoint. But the fact that, again, Richardson was out there and present um, I think is a good is a positive sign on that. So we'll certainly watch um, his status for tomorrow. And you know, when you look at it, Eddie, I think you could probably make an argument that the bigger issue for this week might be the fact that you're going from Ryan Kelly to a first time starter in Wesley French at center versus Anthony Richardson to Gardner Minshew. I mean, I know quarterback means more than center, but. Um, it, it's quite the drastic drop in experience. I mean, Gardner Minshew's got, what, 25 starts in his career? Um, you know, has played Baltimore here in the last couple of years. Certainly knows Shane Steichen's offense better than anybody in that building, uh, whereas Wesley French is a guy that's never made an NFL start. And, you know, Houston kept things very vanilla, very by the book to what they do defensively last week. I'm curious if they had a week to prepare for a first-time starter at center. Would they have tried to do things differently? And we know this. We just know the fact that Baltimore wants to do stuff a little bit more different um, on defense. So, you know, again, I, I I think you can make the argument you might be more worried about center than you are quarterback. And certainly there's a domino effect of that if your center's banged up and all of a sudden the communication's struggling or the identification is struggling, then your quarterback's exposed with that. Um, I also think something, too, Eddie, is – Let's say Anthony Richardson doesn't play. Your run game with Zach Moss, it's between the tackles. Zach Moss ain't, you know, bumping anything to the outside and trying to take off outside the numbers. So your interior run game is going to have to be very on point, and a third-string center with that is certainly something um, to keep an eye on. I mean, you know, there's a media scrum around Wesley French's locker today. Eric Johnson, defensive tackle, had to take a double take and I took a picture of it on his phone. Like, wait, you guys are all around Wesley's uh, locker? And, you know, this is a question. We'll see how the week plays out for Kelly. But, you know, this is a question, Eddie, that we did have. You know, we'll see how long Ryan Kelly misses and if he misses Sunday at all. But the question was, 
you know, could your big three stay healthy? And honestly, Bernard Ryman should probably be slotted into that group. You can make the argument he's been the best offensive lineman for the Colts so far this year. But, you know, you, your big three veterans up front, Nelson, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, you know, they combined to miss just one start last year. And you still had the offensive line issues that you had. So keeping those guys healthy, obviously, is um, is paramount. So, um Again, we'll continue to watch, and I'll have the latest on 1075thefan.com on where Anthony Richardson is at within that concussion protocol. Certainly, if he gets or if he's not able to clear and does not play on Sunday, we know what the passing offense is going to look like. It's going to be get the ball out quick. It's not going to be a whole lot down the field. Uh, Baltimore's probably going to play a ton of man and kind of choke you on the outside. And we saw in Cincinnati last week, I don't think Joe Burrow, I don't think he attempted a ball longer than 15 yards down the field. I mean, and that's Joe Burrow. I mean, it's a little bit different, obviously, when you have Minshew in there. But positively, you know, Minshew obviously has been here, done this, gotten plenty of work with the ones in the offseason. So uh, we will uh, continue to update you on that end. Uh, Quentin Nelson was not out at practice today. Uh, yeah, another, he was barefoot. Another toe uh, designation. He injured that toe in the week one game against Jacksonville. He left the game briefly. He returned. Three snaps, right? Yeah, and then um, he missed practice last week, early in the week, later in the week. I think he was limited, right, or a full participant on Thursday and Friday. Seems to be a very similar approach this week. Is there anything to worry about on that front? I know he played through it uh, in week two, but uh, it would take a lot, I would assume, to for Quentin not to play on Sunday. Yeah, I, I would not be worried about Sunday with him, but I just think, Eddie, this is something to monitor um, You know, throughout the season, considering it is a toe. I mean, this is a dude that, you know, whatever, weighs 330-some pounds. And I don't recall really in Nelson's career him ever kind of going through this sort of process where he would routinely miss like a Wednesday, but mm-hmm. then still play on that Sunday. So I just think the wear and tear of a season is definitely something um, to keep an eye on. So... Um. Yeah, we'll see how that goes for him, and we'll throw in the injury report whenever that comes out on the podcast. But unless you've got anything else, Richardson, I'm trying to think anything else. I do have one question regarding Richardson. Yeah. Um, if he is cleared, and let's say it's Saturday, uh huh, does he play Sunday? Considering he would not have any practice time or limited practice time with the starters and the game plan for this week. Yeah, I think as long as he practices tomorrow, I would still feel feel comfortable. If you get to Friday, I think that's a little, you know, what, tomorrow's third down and Friday's a red zone day. I mean, that to me would be a little bit more of a some uncertainty with it. Again, I'll, I'll echo what I said Monday, Eddie. I think this is such an unbelievable challenge that you want Richardson to be a part of. And that's where the bummer lies into this in, this uncertainty of him playing. But I am not one of these people that's like, no, rest him for another week. You know, you don't want to risk anything. No, it, 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 if he's cleared, um, go. And it's a great challenge. And the quicker he gets back out there, I think the more fresh it's in his mind to potentially learn of you know his playing style. And I, I know that that question's got a lot of debate. And I want to make it clear, and I hope I did on Monday, but I just want to double back on it, Eddie, too, of when I want to see Richardson – and I'm going to use the word alter or tinker. That is where I'm at with him in terms of the run decisions, making plays in the open field. By no means do I say change. No, 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 no. That's unrealistic to expect. Um, it's it, it's a weapon. It, it, it makes him elite. And 
the altering of it, the tinkering of it is, okay, second and seven in the first quarter of a scoreless game, live to see another down. Those are some of the things that I think that you would like to see of avoiding kind of unnecessary hits. And, you know, so many people have asked me this week of like, man, is this Andrew Luck? Is this Andrew Luck? I'm like, well, well, kind of yes and no. I mean, yes in that you have a very athletic quarterback that isn't afraid to make plays with his legs. And, you know, certainly Richardson is more of a runner than Luck was. But where I would say no is, I mean, you also have to look at it from a standpoint of think back to when you had Luck and the first time he really ever suffered any sort of injury. I mean, that was week four of his – 25th week three of his fourth NFL season 2015 season I mean he had played what 190 some quarters 200 quarters at that point you know we are five quarters into it and Richardson dealt with a trio of them but as far as this concussion is concerned again if the symptoms were super severe I think avoiding light exposure would be something he'd want to do or the Colts would certainly want him to do so I would say good sign on that end whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'll shift now towards the Baltimore Ravens. It's who the Colts have on Sunday 2-0. In week one, they defeat uh, the Houston Texans 25-9. to Offense did not look very good underneath Lamar Jackson. Only 169 passing yards. Zay Flowers broke out that game. Nine catches, 78 yards. Of course, they lose J.K. Dobbins in the middle of that game as well. And then last week, uh, Lamar has 237 passing yards, two passing touchdowns in their 27-24 win over Cincinnati. Gus Edwards was their leading rusher in terms of yardage. 10 for 62. Lamar had 12 for 54. And then just Justice Hill had 11 for 41. And Nelson Aguilar was their leading receiver, so it depends really week to week, it seems like, on which wide receiver is going to be the focal point of that Ravens offense. But nonetheless, you still have to account for Mark Andrews as well, who toasted the Colts the last time these two teams played. Yeah, 11 for 147. I mean, think back to that comeback, Eddie. Two touchdowns in the fourth for Andrews. Both two-point conversions as well. Uh, He was an absolute stud and is a stud. And certainly is probably, you'd say, the number one pass catcher. I mean, I, I know wideout-wise you just listed some names. And boy, Zay Flowers seems like after the catch, he is certainly a weapon to watch. So, again, with Baltimore, before we get into kind of offense-defense stuff, I think it's a great test. And there's a bit of like an NFL thought to me, Eddie, of the competition last week was a little bit like, whatever, putting a 15-year-old on a bike with training wheels. Like, well, yeah, I mean, this is going to be relatively easy for them. And now it's a little bit of like, okay, let's go out to 465 during rush hour. And now it's a little bit of chaos. And how well do you handle all of that around you? And they're going to try and dictate to you more than I think Houston especially wanted to do. Uh, by the way, it'll be Beth Moens on the call. I always enjoy Beth when she's calling college football games. Jay Feely and James Lofton, though. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know about that color duo there. Uh, feel, anytime you have you two mean of the analyst duo. 
Yeah, color color people duo. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Feely and Loft. Anytime you have two people there, uh, probably not a good thing from an analyst standpoint. But uh, Beth Mowens, I do think, uh, does a nice job from a play-by-play point of view. Uh, again, Baltimore offensively. Todd Munkin, the new OC, comes uh, to the NFL from Georgia. That would be the college last year. So no more Greg Roman there. And boy, when you have Lamar Jackson completing passes like he's completed them this year, he's second in the NFL in, com- in completion percentage. I mean, that is something that we're not used to seeing from him. Uh, 74%, I want to say. Um, so he's had a really nice start of the year in terms of just efficiently uh, moving the ball. You listed some of those wideouts. Obviously, we'll see Odell's situation, but you know, it's a pretty balanced group for the most part, but those injuries of Stanley and Linderbaum, I mean, those are big names on that O-line. Your left and, tackle and your center. And studs, not just, you know, yeah, I mean, left tackle and center are obviously big parts, but these are not just kind of whatever, half-assed dudes. I mean, these are good, good football players. And I don't think it's to the you know Houston standpoint of the offensive line from last week, but again, is this another opportunity for the Colts' defensive line? I mean, I'd say all in all, the Colts have caught pretty good injury breaks or availability breaks. Cam Robinson suspended in Week One. Obviously, the Colts are missing Taylor, but for the most part, they've had some big advantages in some particular spots that really have impacted these first couple of games. And there could be a couple of those again coming up on Sunday. Obviously, we'll see what happens center and quarterback wise. Um, but yeah, it's been a pretty balanced uh, Baltimore offense. I think they're first on third down, so clearly the pass-run threat of third down is very dynamic, and you got to be disciplined as hell. I mean, you got to be eye discipline's got to be paramount, and um, you know they do some stuff pre-snap and guys in motion and all that. So um, this is a different run defense challenge. You know, you, your run defense has been so stout mm-hmm. in the first two games, but this is different. I mean, this has got a bit of a Saturday feel to it. Uh, and your defensive line and your front's been great. I mean, you lead the league right now in tackles for loss. That's a stat that I think should resonate a lot to playmaking. And, you know, when you force negative plays within a drive, that's a big indicator that drive's going to end without points. And so you've done that, 17 of them. Um, that's big, big. So looking forward to watching the Ravens' offense against the Colts' defense. And then on the flip side, you know, when you look at Baltimore's D, I don't know if you look at any of them and think, that's just a flat out like best player at his position. Yep. But they're just very solid sound. They've got a lot of dudes that have played a lot of football. I mean, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen in that linebacker core. Um, you know, secondary wise, two big injuries though with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams. So Still have Kyle Hamilton though. Kyle Hamilton, very, very versatile and, and kind of a chess match a chess piece to use. So Rock Yassin was one of their starting cornerbacks last week. Yeah, so Rock comes over to them in the offseason and has been asked to play a pretty big role. I would assume, Eddie, if it's Minshew, they're just going to press the hell out of these Colts wideouts. Or try to, I should say. Uh, because, again, Minshew got it out. I think it was fourth or fifth fastest of any quarterback last week. The yards per attempt down the field was extremely, extremely small as well. And I thought Jim Bob Cooter had a pretty good comment early in the week about the challenge with Baltimore of they stress you mentally and they stress you mentally as an offensive coordinator as a center as a quarterback tons of looks you know a lot of variety um, again their defensive coordinator is a Wink Martindale disciple and when you think back to Wink Martindale I know we talked a lot about him during the offseason uh, for the head coaching search I mean that is something that um, 
you are going to expect kind of typical Baltimore, even though some of the names and some of the faces have changed on that that defensive side of the ball. So I think it's going to be a great test. Outstanding. It's probably going to be some dink and dunk central if it is going to be Minshew and um, how efficient you are with that offense. You know, it, it's weird, Eddie. I saw a stat today where the Colts are, I think they're second and three and outs this season offensively. Not no surprise though. Yeah, but in a way, it did kind of surprise me. I'm like, man, I don't think of like that is a stat that indicates a bad offense to me. Week one, they had uh, I think we counted five or six. I can't yeah, remember week the one exact you had, number. Again, it was kind of like feast or famine. You had yeah. the you know 14 drives, and you know 11 of them went for 10 yards or less. So um, I don't feel like the Colts' offense has been you know that bad. I mean, obviously you had a you know quiet second half on Sunday. You obviously, I guess, kind of had a quiet second half in the opener as well. So um, how can you sustain that drive, those drives, if indeed they can kind of limit Zach Moss? And then we'll see what happens, of course, from a uh, passing game standpoint. So um, seven and a half, part of me thought that was a little much. Um, obviously, there's some uncertainty on Wednesday afternoon of what exactly it looks like. We'll give our picks to round out the show. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? Ravens, Colts related before we get to Twitter questions? Yeah, I want to point out some things. A guy who's been relatively quiet for Baltimore through the first two games, uh, he's coming off a foot injury. Uh, Rashad Bateman, the former first-round pick out of Minnesota. When you look at how the Colts have been exploited through the first two weeks of the season, down the field with Calvin Ridley, and then down the field last week with Nico Collins. And that is primarily the role I think Bateman has within that Ravens offense. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's their guy this weekend, just because of the uncertainty regarding the cornerback position for the Indianapolis Colts and then defensively it's been the slot receiver that has had some success against this secondary uh, for Baltimore last week Tyler Boyd 6 for 52 uh, and then looking at Houston in week 1 Robert Woods 6 for 57 uh, and then Tank Dell had 3 for 34 on just 4 targets so it looks like Josh Downs and then uh, whichever tight end is lined up in the slot whether that's been Granson who's been I think really good so far um, or Will Mallory or whomever the case is for the three tight ends, those are going to be the guys that have to win at the line of scrimmage for the Colts this weekend. Certainly. We will give our picks here coming up in a bit, but let's hop into Twitter questions. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Kay Ferguson, are the Colts 2-0 with Zach Moss playing last week? Um, Probably not. I, I mean... I- I know that's kind of like the easy thing to point to, but you know, again, injuries happen. Guys miss time. I mean, if you're Jacksonville, you're thinking to yourself, if Tank Bigsby just picks up the ball and falls down, <laughs> do they like win that game or win that game? I guess maybe going away a little bit more than they did. Obviously, they had to come back in the fourth quarter. So Zach Moss, I mean, certainly showed last week that there is a competence to him as a running back that is much greater than Deion Jackson. I, I cannot stress this enough, Eddie, how wild it is how much Zach Moss played in that game. I mean, Jonathan Taylor in his career one time, as he played 98% of the snaps, which is what Moss did last week, I mean, that just doesn't happen. You know, we, we, we looked up last week, 74% was the high. 
uh, for Moss in Buffalo. You know, Deion Jackson and Jake Funk, I mean, barely, barely played last weekend. Of course, you know, not at all from a running back standpoint. I don't even know if they played a snap on it. It might have been Isaiah McKenzie as the running back. So uh, just wild uh, how much Moss was was needed. So certainly he makes you better, and I, I and I get the game was close, and you had some opportunities, and you know maybe on first and second down you're able to eke out a few more drives, but again, you know, Jacksonville could easily counter with with something else. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN just reported that Justice Hill suffered a toe injury that could keep him out of week three against the Colts, but shouldn't result in a lengthy absence per a source. It's worth noting, Baltimore did sign Kenyon Drake earlier this afternoon as a bit of an insurance move. So heavy, heavy, I assume, Gus Edwards, and then a little bit of Melvin Gordon. Is that fair to say? That's a good question. I forgot about Melvin Gordon yeah, being on the up roster. Yeah, practice squad yeah. Uh, last week. So, yeah, I know uh, Justice Hill didn't really do much in week one, had a better performance in week two, but he, I would label him as kind of their second back with Gus Edwards still being that uh, that top guy. Chris would like to know, will Gus Bradley be smart and bench Daryl Baker Jr.? Because he's not good in coverage and horrible tackler, they might as well give Juju a chance finally. Yeah, um, I got a lot of questions in relation to this. I don't get the vibe that he is going to be benched um, right now. I think that guys like Jalen Jones and Juju Brents, as he continues to get more reps, um, will start to push for playing time. Again, if you were going to come up to me right now and say, hey, Kevin, we're benching Daryl Baker Jr., who's going to go in the lineup? I would vote for Jalen Jones before Juju Brents. Um, Part of this is just because I didn't see a lot of Brents. I mean, he missed, I think we almost forget, Eddie, this guy missed 16 practices in the spring. All 16. Rookie minicamp, OTAs, veteran minicamp, all of it. Then he misses like a week, a week and a half into training camp. Then he misses the Philly joint practice and that Philly preseason game. And the whole time, I think Jalen Jones practiced, I feel like he was out there every day. And Daryl Baker Jr. So, just from an availability standpoint, you did not have much of an opportunity. I do think, Eddie, as we get more into the season, you will start to see more and more opportunity arise for those young guys. I don't look at Daryl Baker and think it's etched in stone. Again, I think he'll be the guy out there Sunday. But, you know, whatever. If it's the Rams in Week 4, if it's the Titans in Week 5, um, I think that was the game from Daryl Baker of like, hey man, now the ice is kind of thin. And we still have two rookies that you know we don't know if we trust them yet. Your spot obviously is not locked in by any means. But I think he's earned it for one more week. And then after that, I think you could see some changes on that end. Have you seen what's going on with the Bears right now? Yeah, all that Allen Williams stuff is crazy. Yeah. And then the Justin Fields comments, yeah. That, well, both. Hallis Just be Hall, glad that you're not a Bears fan. Right. Both Hallis Hall and Allen Williams' homes were raided. In connection to an undisclosed incident. Is this real? Like, do we have this credible yet? This, this is from... It's somebody who covers Chicago events, and he said that um, Allen's Allen Williamson was raided after the Week One loss, and then Hallis Hall was raided this morning. A raiding of Hallis Hall? What do you, you like? His house. Allen his house. Well, yeah, their I mean, houses. Yeah, Hallis Hall is is where they work out at. Uh, are they stealing his playbook? No idea. Boy, I, I, um, yeah, I mean, I knew Allen Williams. Just you know, he was obviously a Colts assistant. With Matt Eberflus, uh, seemed like a nice dude, but 
Yeah, that is a lot, to say the least. Z Palm in Austin asked a very similar question. Uh, By my math, Shaq Leonard has made $317,843 per tackle. He had three. And that's just in the game alone against the Texans from Sunday. I love Shaq as a leader in person, but I'm not sure he has the juice anymore. If you didn't know anything about the Colts and I told you he had a $100 million playmaker at linebacker, you'd think it's EJ Speed or Zaire Franklin. Is it time to restructure and make the change? Uh, One thing before we get to... um that question just Colts official injury report came out as we kind of let off with again Anthony Richardson no practice Ryan Kelly no practice Quentin Nelson no practice Nelson was there not worried about him for Sunday Richardson was there I think that's notable um look Kelly at you texting was, and putting out tweets during the middle of the podcast look at you go Kelly was not there multitasking at its finest here uh, Kenny Moore Grover Stewart limited boy I can't recall any time in Grover's career he's even been on the injury report that dude he Colts fans just please do not take him for granted at all. No, it's it's Big amazing Grove. his activity, his disruption, his availability. Gosh, anytime oh, I th- hear someone mention Grover Stewart or like watch him make a play, I always think of the chicken wings <laughs> from Hard Knocks in and, the kitchen sink, right? And Big Grove. Uh, okay, Leonard related questions, right? Yep. Uh, issues with him and how much money he makes. That hey, yeah. This is where I'm at with Leonard so far. Um, and we had several of these questions, you know. What I I have not seen him be a liability yet, like he was last season, but obviously I haven't seen him be the constant around the ball playmaker. I am very close to turnover type plays either, and those are two very much at two different ends of the spectrum there. But I would say the player we've seen so far, Eddie, that's more of the player I saw in camp, of just like Leonard's out there. But I didn't really feel the maniac, you know? I didn't really feel him at that all-pro type of level. And, you know, some of it to me is like, okay, let's get through September and, you know, we'll have evaluation points all throughout the year. I mean, let's knock off some rust. Let's see where he's at. You know, he's on a little bit of a pitch count, uh, which is much different than really his entire career. But, I mean, we've said it at the start of camp, certainly at the start of the season when we talk about in-season storylines. Eddie, it's a real conversation we have to have. It's a real conversation. And just be, you can't look at it and say, because EJ Speed and, you know, Zaire Franklin are over exceeding expectations based off their money, that it's okay that Zaire, that Shaquille Leonard is whatever, not performing to his contract. Like, that's not, I mean, you're going to have to have a real conversation if he doesn't get back to that playmaking self because he just makes an incredible amount of money. And when he is that playmaking guy, Boom, it's great. But when he's not, you can't ignore it. I was pulling up the contract to see what the number was in terms of the outs. Yeah, you can get out cap. after this year. It, it, yes. It's, uh, what is it, $8 million, $9 million? I thought I looked it up a couple of weeks ago. It is slowly loading on Bing. It's not too, too crazy. Um, yeah, it is not too, too crazy. Yeah, I think it's $8 million dead cap. Because I think I looked it up back during the preseason when we were talking about this yeah. as well. Uh, the web does not seem to be wanting to load right now. Matt and Joe are up next. Every running back that goes down makes Jonathan Taylor and and uh, his agent having him do all more foolish. The loose leverage every they lose leverage every time. Now add that to what Moss has done with the success 
from last year to this year, week five and on, will be fascinating. How much action will Moss see compared to Jonathan Taylor? Will their yards per carry be similar? And how does that affect anything? Who gets the red zone carries? Who will they throw to earlier? Who is in on those third and long situations? Fascinating. Lots yeah. of questions. Um, I, I certainly have a lot of questions about how this is going to play out, Eddie, without question. Um, I mean, I think we're still a ways away from the happy-go-lucky, oh, thunder and lightning, or, you know, 1A and 1B, like, however yeah. you want to label it. You know, this is not all of a sudden, here's a die in Dominique Rhodes, and everything is swimmingly well. Let's not, I, I, I don't think we can live in fairy tale just yet. And also, and I don't know if this question was going down this path, Eddie, but because we had several related comments and questions about, look at what Moss did. What does that say about Taylor? Eddie, these guys were drafted in the same draft class. They were one round apart. I also can look at the back of a baseball card four years into their respective careers and see the difference in their careers. And I looked up some of these stats on this, um, more so back in training camp when it looked like, oh man, Moss is going to be the guy. Eddie, that was Zach Moss's first ever, uh, or excuse me, last season. The season finale was his first ever 100-yard game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's got 15 of those in his career. And the biggest difference between the two is the big plays. You know, when you think of a running back in a big play, I just kind of label that down to 10 yards. Uh, 10-yard catch, 10-yard run. You know, those to me are big plays. In Moss's career, he's got 42 of those big plays. And again, these guys came in the NFL the same exact year. Jonathan Taylor has 130 of those big plays. So to me, you just can't compare the two. It's a full yard per carry difference. Again, Taylor gives you, I think, something from a very much something from a big play standpoint. Um, but a consistent third down presence. You know, neither of them I'd say you lock lock and load those guys into that role, but Taylor a little bit more than even Moss would there out of the backfield. I think one question that I do have on Taylor, Eddie, and maybe it's the Chris Jones situation now finally playing out. Obviously we saw Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley, their respective situations play out. And I know we had a lot of Nick Chubb related comments. And my question would be this Chris Ballard, or Jim Mercer said to Chris Ballard a few weeks back, about a month ago now, calm the waters. I think we both can agree that it's going to take each side to sacrifice for something to work out here, to try and appease both parties. And as we are now two weeks from today, literally two weeks from today is the first day Jonathan Taylor can, can practice. And as we get closer to that date, my question becomes... Why can't we just incentivize the rest of this 2023 contract and move on? Is it because it's a rookie contract and I don't know how much you can alter it? I would think, and again, I'd have to double check this. I would think that you can because in previous years, you've obviously extended these guys past these respective contracts. I think some of them, if I'm not mistaken, you've even torn up that final year Mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever. It's, uh, you've thrown more guaranteed money into that final year of the rookie deal that now is the first year of your next deal. You know, something like that. Um, But I think that is something that I would look into very, very much. And again, Uh, you do that from a... So, 
after the final regular season game of the third contractual year, rookie agreements for drafted players cannot be renegotiated. So the extensions kick in then after the fourth year? Correct. And this is for first round and second round? I would assume so. This is a blanket overall rookie contracts. So the first rounders fall into this boat as well? Because um, they, they would technically have a fifth year if you've extended. But that's an option, so yeah. That team option on that. Yeah. Interesting on that end. Well, that obviously is a huge storyline of if you would do something like this or not. But I get to the point where can you throw a one-year extension in there? I guess if you can't incentivize here in the back half of 2023, can you throw a one-year extension on that and have some incentives laid in there that if you hit these, those will be there for you. But if you don't hit those, then we don't have to pay you. And you don't earn that sort of playing time, production. Uh, I don't know if playoff value should be on that. I know that was a big thing with Saquon Barkley with that. And, and Barkley and Jacobs, in both those instances, the reason why those are different was you were on the rookie, um, you're on the franchise tag with, with both of those guys there. So I think that is something that, how do you kind of appease both parties here? It, can it be a one-year extension where it's a lot of incentive-laden stuff? You've got to hit those to get that. If you don't, then you don't meet that. I, I don't know if Taylor would say yes to that. I don't know if the Colts would say yes to that. Those are two both of both parties. I mean, both parties. You obviously would have to get to agree to that. I don't get the vibe that the Colts have offered any sort of extension negotiation talks on that end. It seems to be relatively stubborn with that. And obviously that frustrates Taylor. Taylor looks at it and says, I mean, Kareem Hunt, you saw it today, one year up to $4 million. I mean, Taylor's making $4 million this year. That frustrates Taylor. You know, Mo Cox makes more money than Jonathan Taylor this year. That frustrates him. <laughs> you know, I mean, and how can you not look at that and think that's understandably for a running back here? So um, I still think, and I know stuff has happened since last, I guess, Wednesday's pod, when we probably focus more on Taylor from a, here's the video, and we've had a grievance with the NFL and the NFLPA, and here's Shane Steichen kind of saying some comments, and then today he's like, I'm not going to comment on anything Taylor-related anymore. Um, I feel like there was one other thing. I guess Moss had a had a really nice game. I still think we're really far away from this. I <laughs> I know that everybody saw the Insta story, and they were like, oh my gosh, I, there's a lot that still needs to be solved with all of this. I can't wait to find out to figure out who the head of the snake is in terms of this grievance filed by the NFL. Is that Ursa? To the in uh the PA. I don't know. You think do you think you'd go to those measures? I don't know. It seems drastic, but I mean, you know, there are times that you've and, and like what's going to happen here? Like are you taking Jonathan Taylor's money? <laughs> I I'm I'm like kind of confused <laughs> exactly what you would be obtaining from this as well. So um, we'll see how the next couple weeks play out. Now, I want to ask you this before our next question, because we're talking about Taylor. Yeah. After this week, when it becomes one week until he can return, do we start seeing him pop around the team more? And if not, and he just returns whenever he can be activated off of the pup list? Give how, that to me one more time. So let's. So after this week, yes. do we start seeing Taylor on the sidelines for next week's week four game against the Rams? And if not, and he just assumes like, hey, it's Wednesday, he's activated, boom, he's back. How does the team respond to that? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, guys 
seem to continue to say the right things about him. I, I don't. It's a great, great question. I think you would need to literally um, hand these guys five or ten shots for them to give you an honest answer. I, it, to me, it seems a bit awkward. I think there's an element of like, there probably is a wide range of views in that locker room. I think there are some guys that are like, dude, go get your money. You play a brutal position. You're in a car crash. You know how many times a game? Uh, fight for yourself. And they get that. There are other guys that are like, dude, just fill, complete your rookie contract and move on. Um, I think it's a very wide range of views. But I think most players in that locker room do really, really respect Taylor and view him as a great teammate who works hard. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Drew's Twitter question is up next. Remember when the Colts took Andrew Luck to the local minor league baseball team and they taught him how to slide? <laughs> Do you see that happening again with Anthony Richardson? Also, what's the offense stalling in the second half? Uh, what's with the offense stalling in the second half? I know our coach is a first-time head coach, but does he need to take a page out of Sirianni's playbook and allow Jim Bob Cooter to have many uh, to have more say in the halftime adjustments? <laughs> I had to make sure to say Jim Bob Cooter because there was only one word on that. Uh, just Coach Cooter. Not even Coach. Not even Coach. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, again, sliding, to me, it's like, yes, that would be something you'd like to see. But I think it's more of just, you know, cognizant of when to slide out of, or when to go out of bounds and, you know, when to kind of live to see another down, dive forward. And, I mean, just those sorts of things. Avoid some of the unnecessary hits. Can you make eight hits a game come down to four or five with that? Um you know, if you look back, yes, you obviously had the sl- the the poor second half in the Jacksonville game. I don't know if I look too much into it in Houston. I mean, you're kind of nitpicking with the backup quarterback there. I mean, they were super super ball control. Um, did they have a field goal? Yeah, didn't they have a field goal in the first drive of the second half? Is that right? And they barely had the ball. Now that I think about it, for that first drive of the second half on on Sunday, you know, wasn't there? A, well, yeah, there was a fourth and one where they ran the offense back on the field, and you ended up punting. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm not going to overreact too too much. I think in general, it's just an offense that being steady for 60 minutes is going to be a question. I don't think anyone expected this offense to be, you know, explosive like no other. And part of this goes back to the 13 three and outs that you do have. I mean, it's been an inconsistent offense in, in some facets. I don't feel like it's been a bad offense though or anything like that. I think there's the, there's been some nice stretches of it, but um, there has been probably a little bit of up and down nature to it. Walter asks, what's going on with Juju Brents? Happy for the win. We need help in the secondary. Yeah, I, I, I know we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier, but to me with Brents is, I mean, he's had probably two to three weeks of consistent practice time. We know he missed that Friday practice in week one due to a personal matter. So I think we're still, I mean, this dude missed, I mean, Eddie, he missed probably, what, 80, 90% of the offseason work? Yeah. I mean, that's... His first practice time was ahead of the second preseason game, right? You still have to earn. He played in that first preseason game, I'm pretty sure, in in Buffalo. Um, I mean, you've got to earn a little bit of that. And I think as we get kind of into September, into October, those are some times that I think um, you could see some stuff potentially start to challenge uh, with, uh, with 
Daryl Baker Jr. Two quick, uh, two Twitter questions left. Craig states, great to finally get a win. I have seen more offensive alignments in the first two games than all of last season. Obviously, a lot has to be that we have a running quarterback, but I have to believe Shane Steichen is way more innovative than Frank Reich. What is your impression of Shane Steichen over the past two weeks as far as the offense is concerned? Um, I have liked what I've seen from Shane Steichen. Um, Again, I thought you would see super innovative stuff from him from an offensive standpoint. I do think that has been there. Um, you drafted Richardson to, you know, and you hired Steichen, drafted Richardson to be dynamic and different. And I feel like you have done that. Um, it's a lot of stuff that I think may, challenges the defense's eyes right at the line of scrimmage, right pre-snap. And I think those are some things that you really, really like. Um, so I... <laughs> I've been a big fan of the Shane Steichen hire, considering the quarterback situation. That kind of adds to it, and I liked what I've seen so far. It's not going to be perfect. He, he's not dealing with the stock cupboard by any means, but um, I think Colts fans should be pretty encouraged by that. Final question comes from Blopa. Is that what we went with last time? Blopa, Blopa yeah. Okay. He's a regular. It is clear that Jonathan Taylor is looking for a new contract, and it is evident that he is not comfortable with the situation. That is one thing. But some of the national press saying that Jonathan Taylor does not want anything with Indianapolis, only his departure from the team. Where do those assertions come from as to who said what? Well, what's his agent's name? Malki Kawa. I I would say uh, him, uh, his camp. Yeah, those people. I mean, just because they're not on the record. You know, obviously, there's a lot of stuff off the record that comes from the team and oftentimes it might be at the top of that food chain that you hear so yeah i would say that is directly from his agent and or people very very closely associated with taylor i mean who not i mean who knows who these sources are i mean maybe it's taylor behind the scenes saying all right uh i'm gonna tell you everything but you can't use my name at all on it maybe it's some of that but i mean i trust these people i mean there are certain people that i trust and i think the people that are reporting on the tail like Stephen Holder I think is extremely credible extremely credible does a lot of work doesn't just say stuff to say it and he is I think he's had a great grasp on this whole situation or at least has provided both sides of it pretty well which again I don't think that's something that you typically uh, see so there's more news on the Chicago front um, this is wild give so Charles Tillman you know former cornerback uh-huh. with the Bears, who is now an FBI agent, by the way, broke the news about Alan Williams to Matt Eberflus, Ryan Poles, and Kevin Warren. Allegedly, uh, Eberflus cried and could not believe what had happened. Poles and Warren do not blame Eberflus for having Williams on his staff. Give that to me again. Charles Tillman, who is now an FBI agent, I guess, broke the news about Alan Williams to Matty Charles Rufus. Tillman is the FBI agent? Yeah, I don't know if he's Football the... Football F- player? He is an FBI agent now, but I don't know if he's the agent on this case. But what he broke the news world? to the Bears front office, essentially, what was going on. And are there any details? No. Nothing yet. I've, I haven't been able to find anything on what's going on with And Eberflus is crying? About the situation. Yes, I guess. Dear Lord. Man, being a Bears fan. Oh. And then I guess Justin Fields went back into the locker room and spoke to the media after practice to clarify his comments. I did see that. 
Wow, that is crazy. Now, is that coming down from you? It's like, hey, or is that a Fields thing? You yeah, think? yeah. No, that is – no, that's – boy, that's wild, man. Uh, what's your so Colts? Uh, I'm going to go prediction. Ravens 24, Colts 16. You know, it's still Wednesday afternoon. Obviously, there's a lot of things to see play out. I do think it has the potential to be a very, very good test, as I've said throughout. Um, but I like Baltimore 24-16. Do you is that a prediction with Richardson starting or with Gardner Minshew starting? <laughs> I don't really starting? know to be honest with you. Um, in a way, there's like, man, I think they could like get to that same total in different ways. Um, yeah, right now I'll go with Minshew just because he's the one that practiced today. I still have not totally closed the door on Richardson officially being out by any means, but I'm going to stick with 24-16 for the time being. I've been pretty good with these predictions. Ooh, have you? Um, yeah, so week one I had, I think it was 31-20 uh, Jags, and the final was, what, 31-21? Yeah. Last week I had uh, 20, I can't remember now, but I got the 27 right. Or last no. week what I have, I had a 10-point win. I had 23-13 last week, so I guess that was a, was I a touchdown short on both teams? Last yeah, last week I had pulling it up now twenty seven twenty. Got it. That is so. I'm gonna go with Ravens. Um, I'm going to take them. I'll go twenty four Colts thirteen. Gosh, very close to me. I said twenty four sixteen. So what? One touchdown and three field goals. Is that what you got? Yeah, I don't know. Matt Gay, I, I still don't know if I fully trust Matt Gay kicking it. He might miss an extra point. You think so? I don't know. Is it going to be windy? I well, forgot they've got Justin Tucker. Well, once you want 15 then? What Not a, 16 if you think he misses an extra point? Well, he could, he could make a field goal. You know, he could get two touchdowns and then... I guess that's true. He could miss an extra point and then a field goal there. So, um, Okay, all right. We will recap things on Monday. Again, I... Uh, God, what a great college football weekend coming up on Saturday. Let's go Irish. Yes. Beat the Buckeyes. Come yes. on. Kevin Bowen, very excited to say the least. You going? He is. Uh, I'm afraid if I am in the building, I could be ejected out of the building. Because you would be that excited? Uh, there would be some emotions uh, coming out of me that I don't know if that would be uh, acceptable in public. <laughs> so you're not going to the game? We'll have to wait and see. When was the last time you went to a game, by the it, way? It's been a while. Um, yeah, Sam Darnold uh, and the L.A. Wow. I, I think I, that that game I was yelling he should be playing for L.A. Community College. He was awful in that game. It's been a while. Welcome to being married and having kids, Eddie Garrison. Um, Not there yet, but getting close. He is Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Recapping Colts and Ravens.